Let us pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for drawing us to your house. Thank you for your word. And God, we simply ask that you would, uh, Lord, remove any distractions from us right now. We pray your Holy Spirit would just speak to each of us and what we need to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, some of you are like, I am so glad I don't have to speak on that reading, right? (laughs) What's he going to say? Well, don't worry. No matter what age you are, I have it prepared in a way that you're not going to feel uncomfortable with kids, grandkids around here. It's going to be just fine. That's why I picked that portion of the reading. Well, welcome. You are here at the beginning of a four-week series called The Path. And basically, we're asking the question, what path am I on right now? If you haven't asked that in a while, maybe you should, right? We're so busy sometimes, we don't stop and think, okay, I'm doing all this stuff, and am I on the path that I want to be on? Or are other people driving my car? Am I going the way I want to go? But the most important question, even above and beyond that, is this. Am I on the path that God has me on right now? Is this is what God wants me to do? Some of you students, you're like, maybe God doesn't want me to go to school. I'll check out. No, but that's the path God wants you on, right? What we're asking is, you know, God has a purpose in our lives beyond just the, the daily stuff that we do. And are we fulfilling that purpose? For some of you, you're like, yep. And for others, it's like, I don't know. And then others, you probably are in the boat where you're like, I know that I'm not doing what God wants me to do right now. So you're in a good place wherever you are on this, because the next four weeks, we're going to unpack the book of Proverbs and other parts of Scripture. So I say, okay, God, where, what path do you have me on? You will be receiving emails uh, this week. Some of you, uh, depending on your age categories and who's in your family and stuff, we're going to send some emails out that will give you a faith path at home uh, stuff to work with. Next week, we'll have printed material in the Home Connection Center back here, so look for that. It'll give you tools so that you can help find your path and then help your family find their path as well. So we got some good things coming for you. This is kind of like just the launch this week, right? So we're going to start. We're going to start with the book of Proverbs. And if you want to follow along, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs chapter 7 and then just a small portion in John chapter 8 in the New Testament, okay? So we're going to be back and forth in a couple of those. So to start, to follow on your outline, the first thing is this. We're going to be following the path of wisdom, right? Now, what do you think of when you think of wisdom? Something pretty smart, right? Who doesn't want wisdom? How many of you woke up today and said, I just want to get more ignorant by the night? Right? I want to get stupider and stupider. No, you don't say that. You wake up, you're like, I want wisdom. I hope that I can make some better choices than I did yesterday. I hope through forgiveness and God strengthening me that I can do the right thing, right? You go to school so that you can get wisdom. Now, here's a caution. Often, we use the same term for wisdom as we do intelligence or smartness, and they're totally different, right? Intelligence is different than wisdom, and here's what what, what the difference is. Having intelligence means you know things, right? But having wisdom means you know what to do in various situations, okay? Intelligence, you know things. Wisdom, you know what to do in this particular situation, right? It reminded me of an illustration back in the days from Farside, Right? This guy has intelligence. You've met people like this, super, super smart, but they don't have the basics of, oh, wow, i got to pull instead of push. Right? Boy, that just went over great. <laughs> so let me give you an illustration. I was at seminary, and this is a, a, a school that you go to after college to become a pastor. It's not the cemetery, although people do die there. It's a seminary, right? You're studying how to be a pastor. 
I had a great buddy, a good friend of mine, and he was smarter than me, right? He had intelligence, and I liked to learn from him. He had studied the original languages when he was in college, all this stuff. I'm like, that dude is smart. I need to stick with him. So we were trying to get an extra class in in the summer, okay? Not smart. Anyways, a 10-day class, two weeks long. We're like going to just crush it all in. And it was the Hebrew language studying in Old Testament wisdom literature, Okay? Now, does that sound exciting? you got the cardinals playing every day, and you're going to study Old Testament wisdom literature in the library. Hmm. Okay, so we chose Old Testament wisdom literature. The, the, the professor was a Hebrew scholar. The guy knew the Old Testament in its original language, you know, and he's like, we're not just going to study the wisdom of the Old Testament. We are going to study it in the language. So what he ended up doing was he said, we're going to translate for a whole day. Here's the, here's the text. So we go home, study it, come back. We're lined up. My friend is next to me. We have our Bibles open. And he's like, okay, we're each going to do six verses. So he gets to my friend. He's like, your turn to translate. Notice I'm not telling you his name. Okay? And my friend is leaning like this. And I look next to him. You know what he, he has a piece of paper sticking out the bottom here. He's cheating, right? He's a smart guy. Maybe he was up late, didn't have time. His paper sticking out. And it gets worse. So Professor Rosso kind of notices something. And he's, he's not a young man. He knows what's on. So he kind of walks back. I'm there. My friend's here. And my friend is just translating away, man. He's like real serious and look like he's just working hard, you know. He looks, and the professor just kind of shakes his head and backs up. My friend knows nothing about this, right? And all the rest of us are like, oh, man, are you getting busted, right? Never says anything. We go to lunch. We're like, he saw you. He saw you cheating, you know, in that moment. He realized, I have intelligence, but I didn't have wisdom in that situation, right? I didn't make the right choice for that specific time period because what he wanted to do was he wanted to get an A in the class, but you're cheating like that. It's, not, it's never going to happen. There's not a wisdom there, right? How many times have you found yourself in that situation where you know it's the right thing to do? You're like, this is point B is where I want to go, but the path that I'm on is not leading me there, right? It's not leading me there. I want to share with you one more uh, principle, okay? A principle that will help us as we move forward here to find wisdom, okay? And here's the principle of this path. Your direction, not your intentions, determines your destination, okay? Your direction, not your intentions, determine your destination. Let me unpack this for you. You might have a goal in mind like my friend. He wanted to get an A. That's his intention, right? My intention is at the end to get an A. But he was on the wrong path if he's going to start cheating and, you know, a professor's going to find him, right? That's a minor situation. He could probably be forgiven, you know, move on, get a B, whatever, right? But how many times in your life you're like, you know what, I have this in mind, yet I'm on the wrong path. Here's some examples. You're young, you're a woman, you're like, I want to marry, I want to date, I want to marry a Christian godly man, but then you end up being like, oh man, this guy's hot, right? You just date anybody because of what they look like, okay? you might not end up where you want to be. Wrong path, okay? Or you're a young man. You're like, when I get married, I want to make sure that uh, I have a wonderful physical relationship with my wife. And so you think, well, I need lots of practice beforehand, right? You see where we're going with this, right? You have the intentions of what you want, but you're on the wrong path. Some of you say, I'm saving up all this money. I'm making sure I have a great retirement. I can spend all these years playing with my grandchildren, spoiling them rotten and everything, and yet you're eating like crazy, Right? You probably won't make it there. Right? You, good intentions, wrong path. 
Some of you are like, I hope when my kids get older, as a man, they're going to respect me as a father. Yet you're flirting with all these women right in front of them. Right? We can just go down the line. You have whatever that is in your life where you're like, you know what? I have this goal, but I'm on the wrong path. That's why we study wisdom from the Bible. So if you look in God's Word, just a little history here for you. There's a whole section in the Old Testament called wisdom literature. And it consists predominantly of Psalms, Proverbs, the book of Job, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon, okay? Say those real fast five times, you know, a lot of those big old, big old ones. So Proverbs is the one we're going to be looking at. And in the Old Testament times, they had three groups of people who kind of dispensed wisdom, right? You have the priests, these were kind of like the Old Testament pastors, and they would like bring the law in front of you, tell you this is what you're supposed to do and not do. They would represent you before God in the temple, the priests, you have then the prophets, okay, the prophets, and these are guys that wrote books. They would prophesy and speak and say, here's the wisdom that God is giving you that's, that's going to happen in the future. And then you have a section, they were called kings or sages, or not all kings were sagely, but anyway, there were kings who would try to take all that counsel and then counsel the people and lead them in good and sometimes very bad places, right? Today, we're going to be looking at a guy named King Solomon. King Solomon, the third king of Israel. He lived around 990 to 931 B.C., before Jesus, okay? Just under 1,000 years before Jesus. He, at 12 years old, had a dream. And in his dream, God said, what do you want me to give you? And Solomon said, I want wisdom. And God was like, wow. Scripture tells us that God was so, so happy with him. He says, because you didn't ask for selfish things, for things I'm just going to pour it on you. I'm going to pour it on you. Okay? And in 1 Kings, listen to how smart, listen to how smart Solomon was. 1 Kings tells us this. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and the breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand is on the seashore, right? And then it continues and says Solomon's wisdom was so great, it was greater than the wisdom of the people of the east, greater than all of those in Egypt, okay? In Egypt, they were building these big old you know, pyramids, finding out there was cancer. They didn't know it was cancer. I mean, all this medical stuff. Solomon, smarter than that, right? And this is what happens. It says, from all the nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom, sent by all the kings of all the world, and he had, they had to hear his wisdom. In fact, he was so smart, he amassed so much that he was the richest man on the planet. Uh, and until a few years ago, when Jeff Bezos and Amazon passed him, uh, uh, seriously, yeah, if you do like the, the, the amount of money then and multiply this and that, yeah, Solomon was richer than Bezos until a couple years ago if you, it was in today's money, right? So, wow, this guy's crazy. And he's super smart. People came from all over to hear from him. Wisdom, right? And so he decides, moved by the Holy Spirit, I'm going to write some wisdom literature, not realizing probably it's going to be the Bible, but he ends up writing the first 24 chapters of Proverbs. And we're going to look at Proverbs today, okay? The first 24 chapters. Now, Proverbs, huge wisdom literature. Starting in verse chapter 25 of Proverbs, the next few chapters, it says that King Hezekiah, his men, wrote those chapters. And that's a couple hundred years after Solomon. So more wisdom, okay? Then a couple other guys wrote the last, the last part of it. So, but most of the Proverbs is Solomon. And so did you get a good foundation. I want to read you the first four verses of the book of Proverbs, okay? So here's what it says. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David king of Israel. 
for gaining wisdom. There's that word wisdom and instruction for understanding words and insight for receiving instruction in prudent behavior. That means in good choice behavior, right? You make the right choice. It says, doing what is right, just, and fair. For giving prudence to those who are simple, right? How many of us are simple, right? We're trying to figure out the right way thing to do. Knowledge and discretion to the young, right? So specifically to those that are young. Young is a relative term. Who's young in here? Who's young in here? Yeah, Methuselah was 969 years old. We are all young, so this is all to us, right? Okay, so giving that to the young. So what does this book have to tell us? And why did I choose chapter 7 that has to do about uh, woo, the wayward woman? Here we go. Here's, here's why. Here's why. Some of you hear that story that was read, and Carlin did a great job of reading it, okay? You hear that, and you're like, that must just be to young men who have urges that are wrong, you name it, right? now. Let me just tell you this. Solomon was a wise man, right? And when he got older, he veered off totally wrong path, okay? His intentions were probably here, but his direction was crazy. He ended up marrying and having concubines. That's uh, physical ladies. A thousand of them. That's three ladies a day. A thousand of them. That's nuts. He set up all these false gods, followed their gods, right? Did all this stuff, and by the end, we believe that the book of Ecclesiastes, which is a very sad book in some ways, we believe he wrote that towards the end of his life. He's like, oh my goodness, man. I just, some would question whether at the end of his life Solomon was a believer. Who knows, right? And so he had two sons. Predominantly these sons, these main, well, he had lots of sons, but these two main ones, they ended up becoming kings and ripping the kingdom apart, and that's where you have the divided uh, kingdom, okay? But before that, he wrote Proverbs, and he probably wrote these saying, you know what, I want my children, my, my, my family to know what is the right thing to do. Probably like the gambler, you know, don't do the things I've done, right? You know, like, he's like, hey, I've done this. I don't want you to go down that road. So he writes this. So here's an example. And lest you think, well, I don't have physical problems, uh, like being desired after the, the opposite, you know, men and women. Here's the problem. At 20 years of ministry, the number one way the devil, I think, really gets at men is through the physical temptation. Okay? You don't outgrow that temptation. No matter how old you are, it's there. And if you're, you don't outgender it, women are not exempt from this, right? I mean, this is a problem. The devil knows exactly where to get in. It's like, ooh, look at how handsome, look how sexy. Oh my goodness, right? But he gives an example because we see it often with young folk. Okay? And it happened all the time. And here's what he says. At the window of my house, so this is Solomon speaking, I looked down through the lattice. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense. I'm going to pause here. When my kids were younger, my son would make all these uh, wallets and things out of duct tape. Right? And he would sell them to his brother and sister. <laughs> so he was really wise, right? He used my duct tape that I paid for and made stuff, and then made money off of them. And so he was trying to make all this stuff that, he, that Libby loved. You know, he's like, oh, I'm going to make this, this, a purse, a wallet, and this and that. And Libby wanted one more thing, and she couldn't find any more change. And so she's running around the house going, I have no sense. I have no sense, right? <laughs> We're like, Libby, you probably don't want to say it like that, right? So there was a youth that had no sense. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along the direction of her house at twilight. As the day was fading, as the dark of night set in, 
Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute, crafty intent. She's usually defiant. You know, her feet never stay at home. She's never where she's supposed to be. Then in the jump, she took hold of him, kissed him with a brazen face and said, Today I fulfilled my vows. I'm going to have food and fellowship offering at home. So I came out to meet you. And guess what? I looked for you and I found you. Now, just to be raw and real, there are probably some of you here thinking, that would be cool, right? Because that's how the devil just gets there with us, right? He pulls you and says, you know what? No one's going to know. One night, get so excited. All this is going to be fun. And then the next day, I can go to church and ask the forgiveness and everything. You know what? God will forgive you, but he has something better for you. Hear that? God will forgive you, but he has something so much better. This is the wisdom Solomon is saying. He's like, I did all this stuff, guys, and God has so much better for you. He has a better path. But think how caught up this young man could have, could have been. He's like, she's going to teach me to be a man. I'm going to, all this kind of stuff. I get to go to the locker room tomorrow and tell all the guys. I mean, you just imagine what's all going through his head, right? Temptation galore. And yet look what Solomon says. He has no clue, no clue with his simpleness that this is going to happen. He says this. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose. Right? So think about your path right now. It may not be the physical aspect of her. There may be things that you're going down and you're thinking, you know what, this sounds so good. What a deal. It'll only take a couple hundred dollars. It'll only take a couple hours. Uh, No one will know, right? I'm hiding myself from God. No one will know. And then you know what? At the end, it bites you. In the end, you wake up and you're like, I started with this intention and goal. I went down this path and I never knew I would be at this dead end. That's what Solomon says. That leads to death. And then steps in our best friend, Jesus. I love Jesus. I'm so grateful for him, right? Because here's what Jesus does. He always is ready to step in and help you change direction. To change direction, right? Change paths. This is what Jesus is all about. And why I know this? Multiple stories in the Bible tell me this. Here's one. John chapter 8. John chapter 8, first 11 verses. Let me sum it up for you, right? There's a lady who is caught with a married man, most likely, okay? She's caught in adultery. All the leaders... Of that time, some of the religious leaders, they're like, you know what? We're going to drag her out in front of Jesus, which they did, and we're going to stone her to death because an Old Testament says if she's caught like this, we have the right to stone her to death. And they pull her in front of Jesus. And the people love this part where Jesus kind of bends down. He doesn't say much, but he starts writing in the dirt. Some would guess that he may be writing their names and their sins because quickly he says, hey, if any of you are without sin, you cast the first stone at her. And quickly, they start dropping one by one the stones, and they're out of there. And we pick it up with this in your, in your outline. It says, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And probably with her lips quivering, right? No one, sir. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Do you see what Jesus did? He did the cross on her. Jesus decided to take the path to the cross. He's like, you know, that's my path. I'm willingly going there. 
And why? So that he could pay for our sins, pay for our guilt, and really open up a bridge, a perfect path to God our Father. That's what he did. He's bringing you back to your creator, bringing you back to where you're supposed to be, getting you on that right path. He does it through forgiving you. In baptism, we see where he enters. He says, you know what? This is my path in baptism. I'm going to claim you to be my child. And you were on that road. Now you're going to be on this road. And then he says, now that I got you, now that you're on the right road, don't go back on that road. Go and sin no more. Try this new road. If I leave you right here, I'll be like the worst self-help person in the world. (laughs) And I feel guilty, okay? How do I do this? Right? The Bible has a plan. Here's here's how it unfolds. The first is this. You got to ask yourself, what direction are you headed today? You got to assess where you're at, right? You don't know where you're coming from, where you're going, unless you know where you're at right now. Where am I at today? What, direct, what, what am I on? And some of you, here's three different categories you can look at. Maybe morally, you're like, you know what? I know I'm supposed to be living this way, but I'm making these bad choices. I'm looking at the wrong things on, on my phone. You name it, right? Morally, what am I doing? Relationally, maybe you are just cutting too close to the opposite uh, sex and you are having a relation that you shouldn't have and you're flirting or you're doing whatever, or maybe you're not treating your family like you're supposed to. Maybe you're losing your cool. There are all sorts of relational issues. You, you wake up and you go to bed at night and you say, you know what, Lord? Man, this is not the path that I thought I would be on. Right? God has hope for that. The third one is this, financially. Many of us, we have the intentions of, I want to support missions. I want to support my kids in college. I want to do all this stuff. Um, I, want to, I want to do, and then all of a sudden, we make these bad financial choices, right? We have some help for you. On September 11th, we're starting Financial Peace University. Okay? It's help you, a nine-week class, Pastor John's teaching, to help you get your finances in a godly way in order. You'll notice on the back of the bulletin, it says Financial Peach University, okay? We're going to help you get the best peaches from Kroger's or Sprouts or Walmart, okay? So Financial Peach University, you can sign up for that online, right? Watch, John's going to have like these bushels, everybody's going to bring peaches to John, it's going to be great. And he'll be like, he's not here this week, so he'll be like, don't tell, okay? Why? Why are the peaches? Yeah. September 11, peaches at John's house, Okay. And number two, how do you learn to choose the right path, right? So you can say, what direction am I on? Ask the question, then how do I learn to choose the right path? Two things, all over the Bible, get wisdom. Get wisdom. Many ways to do that. You could open the the wisdom literature I'm talking about, Proverbs. Proverbs, for instance, 31 chapters. God couldn't have made that more easy for us, right? The simple right here. Chapter 1, September 1st. Chapter 2. September 2nd, okay, you can kind of just, even if you're like, hey, we're starting the 18th, go to the 18th chapter today, check it out, right? Wisdom. But it's never good to be in a vacuum when you're just reading God's word, and never meant to be alone. Look at, why are you here? To worship God, but God called us to be in community. So the next thing is this, also get in a small group. A small group is basically a, a, a handful of people that meet together, study God's word, encourage each other, pray, and eat lots of good food together. Okay? Be in a small group. If you're not in a group, put on that little card, small group, and I'll connect you. I'll help you get connected. In September, second week of September, we're starting fall grilling groups together. That's a three-week commitment, fun stuff, God's Word, and usually some amazing food. You might just find that one person that you're like, I trust them. Maybe we can, like, talk, and if I have that issue, I'm going the wrong path, you call that person. Hey, man, I'm, I'm struggling right now. You're like, okay, let me walk you through that. Let's pray about that. You know, you are not 
alone. On Friday, I went to Jambo's Barbecue. Anybody ever been there? Yeah. yeah. Okay. There's one in Rendon, and I was talking to the lady. My buddy and I were like, each place has, they make their own meats, their own style of potato salad, you name it, right? So we go there, and I'm trying to be healthy, you know, for my heart and things like that. And normally I do the good thing, but we get in there, and I'm like, oh, it smells so good. And you see these, like, baked, loaded, big potatoes, but then I see the one meat plate, two meat plate, and three meat plate. So I'm like, uh, okay, uh, maybe I'll be good and I'll only get two instead of three meats, right? You talk yourself into that. My buddy's right here. I said, what are you going to get? I'm going to get the one meat plate. Like, the one meat plate? He's like, yeah, I'm trying. You know, he puts his hand on his belly. I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. I'm feeling guilty, right? So I get the two meat plate. And it's so good, sausage, it's not that greasy, you know, the slice. I asked for the lean brisket instead of the fatty stuff, marble, you know, everything. So I'm eating all this. I got coleslaw. That's cabbage. It's good. Yeah. Mayonnaise and sugar and vinegar. Yeah. You know what? For that one time, that was okay to do that. I mean, you can splurge, right? You can have a cheat day during your week if you're going on a diet. But because I'm worried about my heart, family history, I can't do that every day. It'll feel good for an hour or two, but man, by 8 o'clock at night, like, oh. And by the time I'm, I'm 58 years old, I'll be like, oh, I'm coming to join you, Elizabeth. Right. That should be a meme if it's not. Look it up. Sanford and Son, all right? Yeah. And that, re- that takes me to my last point. Make choices based on the long term, not the short term, Right? Jambos is good for one day, but don't go there more than once a month. If you do get the barbecue salad, I don't know. They have that, I think, at uh, Spring Creek. But that's what you got to do, right? Whether it's spiritual, the path you're on, whatever you're doing, you got to think of the long term. Like, this is not the the choices that are going to lead me to where I want to be. Okay? Well, we have a lot lot to work through, I'm telling you. This is going to be good stuff. If you start somewhere, start in Proverbs. Just start reading. And if you're going to miss a week, i got to tell you, uh, thank you to the crew back there. They tirelessly volunteer. They put it up on YouTube. We have the 8 o'clock and the 11 o'clock service streaming live. You can go to our YouTube channel if you've missed it and watch it again. Okay? So good, good stuff.